Hello and welcome to Uptime with Data Center Knowledge, the podcast that brings you the news and views from the global data center industry. I'm Max Smolax, Senior Editor at Data Center Knowledge, and in this episode, we will discuss liquid cooling in the data center, where it is today and where it is going. To look at the subject in detail, I'm pleased to welcome Datatri Matur, Director of Hardware Engineering at Cisco. Um, hello, Datatri, and welcome to the show. Thank you, Max, for hosting this event, and I'm excited to talk about uh, what we are doing uh, for liquid cooling at Cisco. Absolutely. And first, can you tell us why you're investigating liquid cooling? After all, uh, Cisco does not make cooling equipment, at, at least not to my knowledge. So why, why are you interested? Uh, absolutely. I can tell you why we are interested. I, I know many people mistake Cisco for Cisco. There is another um, produce company. <laughs> Similar to that, people are uh, wondering why Cisco is into liquid cooling here. Uh, what is happening in the last uh, few years, or maybe in the last five years, you have seen uh, the power consumed by the various components in the system have gone up significantly. Uh, I mean, just for example, uh, the M3 generations of servers, what we had uh, in the market, uh, has had CPU TDP at something like 120 watts. Mm -hmm. uh, in uh, the next generation, which is going to be M7, what we'll be shipping later this year, we'll have CPU uh, consuming in the north of 350 watts. So it's mm -hmm. almost 3x. And within few years, it will exceed 500 watts. So uh, it is going to become impossible to cool these CPUs just with uh, air cooling. We need to find a different mechanism that's hence the liquid cooling is getting more traction. Uh-huh. And engineers have been trying to introduce liquid cooling into the traditional data center for at least a decade, probably longer if we're talking about HPC systems. So how has the conversation around the subject changed? You know, like what are the drivers? If, if, if we want, want to go to the basics, why are chips becoming so powerful? There are many drivers and I'll classify them into key three aspects. One is the component power um, and I'll get into some detail. The second one is the sustainability and regulatory. Uh, things are kicking in. You have been hearing about net uh, zero by 2040, 2045 by various countries. Mm -hmm. And then third one that is going to drive the liquid cooling is edge growth. As people start deploying compute and network infrastructure in the edge, uh, it, it's a very small, close spaces where they are. They should be able to cool, and that's one of the reasons. Now, going back to the component power, um, the CPU TDP have gone up significantly. I, as I stated in the two previous questions, you are going from 100 watts to to 500 watts by 2025. Uh, memory is another thing; is exploding memory power. Mm -hmm. We we at Cisco, we are already uh, 64 GB and 128 GB is our highest seller of memory modules. Uh, a typical server now goes out with an average 800 to a terabytes of memory. Um, so the memory power is going up. And the third thing which is uh, driving is the, the GPUs, uh, the, the emergence of AI ML. Uh, and that drives uh, the requirement to cool the GPUs, which are in the vicinity of 300 to 400 watts. Of course, on the sustainability, countries are mandating new 
power usage effectiveness, uh, saying that data center cannot exceed beyond 1.3. Uh, mm-hmm. In some countries, they are even getting aggressive to 1.2 or 1.25. Uh, so how can uh, they make this uh, meet these requirements uh, and become a net zero uh, um, compliant is some of the key drivers which is making this move to liquid cooling uh, becoming mandatory uh, as we get towards the later part of this decade. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. And um, so, so, so we talked a little bit about the drivers of why it interests, why the customers are interested. But what happens when you introduce these systems into the data center? So, what are the some benefits, maybe some drawbacks of liquid cooling systems in terms of data center operation? Because to implement liquid cooling, you essentially need to rearchitect your data hall. You need to you need to make like considerable adjustments. So, why are people doing that? Uh, of course, we talked about the drivers, why the people are looking at um, adapting liquid cooling. But let me tell you the disadvantage. Um, uh, that other than hyperscalers, a lot of uh, enterprise and commercial um, users, they have a data center which are built out for the last 10, 15 years. They cannot overnight go ahead and modify this to adapt to a new liquid cooling uh, standards or methodologies. And that's the biggest Achilles heel, I would call, our problem. Having said that, they're also seeing the, uh, the necessity why they have to adapt, uh, both from a sustainability standpoint as well as from a performance and TCO standpoint. You, you, your workload requirements uh, and uh, the, the various um, aspects of scale-out technology compelling them to adapt these newer GPUs, newer CPUs, more memory, and they're left with no choice. So this is where they are coming and asking uh, vendors like us, how can you make us evolve into a liquid cooling rather than revolutionize the liquid cooling? Because this is going to take some time. This is not an overnight um, forklift change for the entire data center. Uh, it will progress over the years. Um, in most of the the existing data center, they will retrofit this. Uh, in some of the greenfield deployment, they might start from uh, a scratch where they have uh, all the uh, the flexibility to redo the data center. Um, but our focus is how do we enable our existing customers to evolve and adapt to the liquid cooling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like data center used to be sort of like the domain of electrical engineer, but it's going to be soon, it's going to become a domain of the plumbing engineer and, and the pipes and the gaskets and, 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 and all of that, all of the yeah, things that you will need, yeah. they, they will yeah. take, you know, like yeah. the, the first spot. So do, do you think this technology has suffered from its heritage? Because you have pointed out that it, it, it originated with PC enthusiasts and gaming hardware. And I think right now is a good question, good time to ask. Is your PC water cooled? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, uh, so my son plays uh, gaming. Uh, I bought him uh, a, a gaming desktop a uh, few years back. And uh, now he has outgrown that. And uh, the, this summer, I'm promising him to get a new one, which is going to be water cooled. We are already uh, uh, looking at what, uh, what are the new things and what, what is that he should be adapting. You're absolutely right. Having said that, the water cooling comes with its own um, headaches. Um, 
nobody, none of our customers want to hear about water cooled and leaks uh, yes. in, in the racks where uh, one leak can bring down the entire racks or several racks. Um, that, that, that is the biggest drawback of this technology, why people are very hesitant to adapt. Uh, having said that, uh, like any any other technology, it has evolved, and uh, we can discuss more about uh, what are the different types of cooling, how we are addressing some of these um, challenges uh, associated with leaks and whatnot, and what are we doing to make it uh, very reliable. Absolutely, it's it, it's a mission critical infrastructure, and it, it's just like you know, like downtime is pretty much the worst thing that can happen. So anything yeah. and anything that causes downtime is the enemy. So so yeah. you, you've mentioned this, but there are several approaches to liquid cooling. There's immersion cooling, where it's just like you know, like large vats of the electric fluid, and uh, direct to chip cooling, which involves a lot more pipes. So um, you've looked into this in detail. Among all of these variants. Which one do you think has the most legs in the data center in the near term? Sure, sure. So b- before um, I provide um, Cisco's view or uh, my personal view, um, I want to just walk you through at high level what are the different technologies that is getting traction. So if you look at it uh, from a liquid cooling technology that is being adapted for data center and both in compute and some of the high end networking gear, we can classify them into two major types. One is the immersion-based cooling. Uh, Other one is the cold plate uh, based cooling. So the immersion-based cooling, again, you can uh, sub-classify that into two two types, a single-phase immersion or a two-phase immersion. Uh, Both has advantages, disadvantages, efficiency, uh, and then uh, the, the, we call it what is called uh, global warming parameter, how friendly it is to some of this stuff. Uh, similarly, when you go to cold plate cooling, we have both the single phase and two phase. Both have advantages and disadvantages. The advantage with immersion is it gives you flexibility because everything is ground up, including uh, your data center design, the, the way hardware is designed, you are not adapting to something legacy and trying to make it work. As a result, you get a better uh, PUE factor, power effectiveness usage. Whereas um, some of the liquid plate, the way it's been deployed is, is more of an evolutionary technology to retrofit the existing data center. So um, we have heard several customers asking for immersion uh, and we have done some deployment, uh, but not a, 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 a lot. That's not exactly in the compute, but in the networking space. It has been uh-huh. tried out at Cisco. But what we are right now going after, uh, we know immersion is eventually gets there, but for us to evolve this into liquid cooling, we are focusing on cold plate liquid cooling. The reason is very simple. Our customer base wants to adapt this to their existing data center infrastructure. They are not going to change uh, everything overnight. The way we are working on this is even in this liquid plate cooling, we have classified that into a closed loop cooling and an open loop cooling. At high level, um, what is closed loop cooling? That means you have an existing rack, everything in that one RU or two RU servers, the entire liquid cooling is built in and sealed. Even with leaks or anything, it should be self-contained to that particular rack. It should not spill over to other racks. Mm-hmm. 
Um, that's that way. It's like deploying any other rack servers today. What they have, or a blade server, so that they are not changing the foundational infrastructure. They're retaining assets. Um, that has its own drawbacks, as you can see. We had to work within the current envelope of physics in terms of real estate. Uh, what uh, uh, we can do uh, with respect to the liquid, uh, how we build. Uh, uh, the uh, I would say radiator or condenser and the pumping system it all has to be miniaturized it all has to be field replaceable and that's one technology we are going after so that it gives them a path to move forward the second technology we are going after is called open loop cooling where instead of building this into the same on RU server for a, a your 42 RU rack we provide a, a, a unit called um, coolant distribution unit, CDU, uh -huh. we call it. That is part of the entire rack. You put that. The rack is also managed by, say, Cisco eventually through uh, your management system. From there, you have the fittings, uh, the hard, hot uh, pipe and cold pipe, which are plug and play kind of fittings. You can connect it to your rack servers so that uh, you have a cold liquid going in and hot liquid coming out of your server, get recycled and when it goes back into, into the server to cool this again. These are the two technologies we are going after right now. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And, and and again, it's just like we talk how these systems they, they grow out of, of gaming doesn't really inspire enterprise levels of confidence. Do do you think that that, that you know like the situation is has changed that, that 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 people understand these systems better and you know like data center operators, data center users, insurers because somebody needs to insure that facility. Do you think at all levels of of, of the stack we now understand this a little bit better? We trust it a little bit more, and this is why slowly but surely this technology is finally getting embraced after 10 years of, you know, like... Correct, correct. You're absolutely right. Uh, uh, the, this is um, uh, now being deployed, um, uh, I would say, uh, so we, we have some data here. I'll, let me see if I can quickly provide. Uh, so last year's uh, um, Intel released Ice Lake family of CPUs. That's the weekly. Um, we know that um, today, uh, and there is a market research data from BIS, uh, based on uh, both uh, Intel and AMD's deployment, market uh, around uh, uh, in currently it's about one point four three billion dollars of liquid cooling technologies being deployed in the data center already, and they are expecting a CAGR of about twenty five to thirty percent growth between now to twenty twenty six between twenty twenty one to twenty twenty six. So why is this happening? One. Um, the the performance requirement, the workload requirements is driving higher core count, higher memory densities, GPUs, and some of these at uh, that workload, there is no other easy solution. You have to adapt liquid cooling. Mm -hmm. uh, as a result, uh, as I stated previously, there are several technologies being uh, uh, being brought out, and especially on the the reliability and availability of the the solution has improved significantly. I mean, if you look at uh, the to the new coolants that are coming out to help address uh, the leaks, the performance, even if it leaks, it should not damage or it will not damage uh, uh, the other servers or other infrastructure in the racks. It will evaporate. Uh, that that's the kind of technology they are looking at it. So as a result, there is no collateral damage. That's one thing that's being ensured. 
Second thing is this, uh, uh, how do the pipings, the condenser, or the radiators, or the pumps are being designed. Uh, there are parallel mechanism in, is built in. Even if one fails, the other takes over. Even if the, both of them fails, there is uh, some cooling kicks in. As a result, uh, your system is not dead. The third point I would like to make is, when we say liquid cooling in this evolution of um, either closed loop or open loop uh, with cold plate, we are not making it a 100% liquid cooling. It is a hybrid technology where you still have the fans spinning in conjunction with this liquid cooling. It's, it's more of an assist, I would say. Fan is an assist, liquid cooling takes over majority. But as you can imagine, if there is one or the other failure, there is some kind of mechanism put in so that you can limp along and provide a service window to your provider, service provider, or data center operator to go address that. So some of these things making it, uh, providing a better conference to, to data center operators to start adapting these technologies. That, 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 that sounds very positive. And um, yes, you're absolutely right. It, it, it feels like there's more recognition for this tech. And another aspect that is obviously very influential right now is, 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 is a move towards more sustainability in the industry, right? You've mentioned some of these targets. These targets are very ambitious. Some of these are, are, are 2030 targets, not 2040 targets. And obviously, like, it is, it, it is a very quick timeline. So my last question is, do you think this drive towards more sustainable practices will benefit liquid cooling adoption that people who have perhaps been putting it off for other reasons are going to be like well can we is is it going to help us help make us more sustainable is it going to cut down our electricity bills is it going to look look good on the corporate social responsibility report uh, certainly i mean i'll give you a very uh, simple uh, uh, what we are seeing an answer to this if you look at uh, a two RU rack server okay uh, at least we pack uh, 18 to 20 of this in a 42 plus RU bay, uh, uh, rack servers. With the, the, the current um, CPUs and uh, memory and GPUs, 10 to 15% of this one rack server is consumed by fans today. So uh, that, that can be anywhere in the vicinity of 175 to 250 watts. Now, if you have 20 of that servers, you're talking about something in the vicinity of uh, um, 4,000 watts, 4 kilowatts. Yeah. Um, what can we do to reduce that power? What we have seen uh, based on uh, some of the testing and the, uh, and the, the calculations uh, that has been done in a 2RU rack server, uh, with uh, the latest, greatest CPUs, what we are seeing from Intel and, and AMD, we can bring uh, almost 60% capabilities, or uh, uh, I would say improvements by adopting one of the liquid cooling techniques. Mm -hmm. Okay, what do I mean by that? That means I, I can probably reduce, instead of say 200 watts fan power, I can reduce 100 to 120 watts of fan power by enabling liquid cooling, which I need probably five to 10 watts to do the pumps and whatnot. Again, liquid cooling also requires some power because yeah, yeah, yeah. as I mentioned, either I have to have a, a cooling distribution unit, which has a huge radiator and condenser. They all need motors to run and then there is electronics. Um, but 
you can see the the reduction in power. Sixty percent is a big number. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so what is this driving? There are customers now asking in order to reach their sustainability target, can I deploy liquid cooling even not just to get the highest end TDP, even in a moderate TDP system, can I deploy liquid cooling and cut down uh, the overall power consumption by the, the rack units? Uh, so we, we, we are looking seriously uh, that. You will see that is being enabled in the, uh, uh, down the line in a few years not just for enabling the high-end TDP, high-end GPUs, but also help bridge or meet these targets for sustainability. It is going to happen. All right. And and that's a positive message. And if the industry manages to cut down on its consumption, you know, like improve its its, 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 its carbon footprint, everybody wins. So um, thank you for this in-depth look. Uh, this has been interesting, educational, entertaining, and good luck with your with your son's PC. I, I hope it's one of those systems with, with fluorescent coolant where you need to top it up you know like because those are just like those beautiful and um yeah it has been an absolute pleasure uh hopefully speak to you again but uh for now good luck with your work thank you max